Rugby League Back Chat is sponsored by TotalRL.com. Welcome to Rugby League Back Chat here at the LD Nutrition Stadium in Featherston. I'm Martin Sadler. I'm here um, taking the place of Matthew Shaw for this week. Matthew's on a, a, a few days away, a welcome break for him. And it's my privilege to welcome three great guests today. Um, starting with Mark Aston, the successful coach of Sheffield Hi. Eagles, who won the 1895 Cup at Wembley on Saturday. Then we have Matt Parcell, obviously a Super League player, uh, currently on loan at the um, Hull Kingston Rovers. And Stephen Ball, the general manager of the Rugby League Benevolent Fund. Gentlemen, welcome to all of you uh, to Backchat. I'd like to begin with you, Mark. The um, shock of the day on Saturday, Warrington beating St Helens 18 points to four. How big a shock was it? Was it, what is it, was it as big a shock as when Sheffield Eagles beat Wigan 17-8 in 1998 when you won the Landstod Trophy? That's always been thought of as the biggest shock so far. Was, did this one compare with it? Mm, I'd say not, because I think Wigan had gone eight back-to-backs, hadn't they, Grand uh, Challenge Cup Finals, so... Uh, nobody gave us a chance, uh, except for ourselves, obviously. We, we certainly believed in it, and, and John Key did a fantastic job on, uh, on preparing us to beat him. But there were no doubt, I've got to say, there were no doubt in our mind before the game, leading up to the game, everything, the preparation, that we wouldn't win. And what about Warrington? I mean, do you think Warrington, what, what gave Warrington that victory? What, what allowed them to play so well and, and, and beat St Helens on Saturday? They'll have been committed, they'll, they'll have done the job, they'll have executed the, the game plan, I would have thought, to perfection. And, uh, you know, uh, they're not a bad team, are they? <laughs> they're <laughs> not a bad like team. Well, they're still a good team, there's quality players all across that field, you know. So, uh, was it a shock? Did, did St Helens, you know, freeze again on the day? Maybe they did, but uh, credit to Warrington, you know. Uh, they're a quality team from, you know, from the back there with Wrightsford right through to you know, Cooper and the, the boys up front, so yeah. not, I don't think it was that much of a shot. Yeah. Matt, let me come to you. You've obviously played against both Warrington and St Helens. Uh, I suppose, like most of us, you, I imagine you might have thought St Helens yeah. would win it. Yeah, definitely. What for you, I mean, if, 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 if you'd been a player on, on, on the Warrington side, you know, would you have gone into that game confident that you were going to win it? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, um, as a team, you sort of, you back yourself 100%. 100%. Um, I guess it comes down to, if you look at, since I've been here, you look at Cass, you look at St. Helens, Cass in 2017, Saints in 2018, and then Saints again this year. Is it, is it good being so far ahead where you've got games leading up to it which don't really mean much? Obviously, Warrington are still fighting for, fighting for that second place. Um, so obviously, going into it, they didn't have much form, but Saints, the two weeks leading in, didn't really have much to play for. So they were looking at the game a long time ahead. Sure. So that's what you got to look at. That's, that's a big part of it, I think. And, um, they probably expected to win and, and Warrington were the underdogs so they could just go out there and play footy. And what do you think about, you know, when a team loses its star player, Blake Austin, the marquee player yep. for Warrington, suddenly is, is out of the side. <coughs> they had to play the game without him. Do you think that actually spurs them on? I mean, a lot of Warrington players seem to say afterwards that being without him meant that they realised they had to combine as a team and, and you know, take some talents on and, and they all had to give absolutely everything. Yeah, I think so. Um, and if you look at uh, Daryl Clark, had to have a big game, and he did. So that sure. that, that uh, definitely helped. He's a really class player. And um, but yeah, as you said, they sort of 
Uh, nobody really gave him a chance going into the game. That Everyone sort of thought St. Helens would win, and that's probably the best time you want to play footy. You can just go out there and um, you've got no pressure on you. You can just go and play, and they did. Absolutely. Steve, you were there, obviously, at the game uh, as a spectator. How, how did the event on Saturday stand up to, you know, Challenge Cup finals of the past? Particularly I, given that there were, you know, two games on, in fact. I thought it was a, a great occasion. Uh, I thought Warrington deserved to win. I wouldn't underestimate uh, the Warrington spectators who got behind the team. I thought uh, after nearly 30 minutes and there was no score, uh, that was the opportunity. Warrington began to believe in themselves more. Uh, they scored those two quick tries and then the whole of the, you know, the stadium rocked with Warrington uh, supporters cheering and the whole momentum, as we see in sports sometimes, was behind Warrington. There was a brief introduction when St. Helens scored their try. I thought St. Helens may come back, but he missed the kick and that sort of spurred it on. The second game, I would have liked to have seen that as a curtain raiser to the first sure, game, yeah. rather than afterwards. I, I don't think that's a great piece of uh, no, marketing genius. We'll, talk about, we'll that. talk about that a little bit I later. I enjoyed our pre-match. Yes, was the bigger game. Absolutely. What do we think about the um, decision really early in the game when the referee didn't go to the video referee? I mean, Matt, you, you must have seen that. And it looked on the face of it that Morgan Knowles had touched the ball down when he, he followed through the kick to the line. Um, he was obviously confident in his decision. And uh, I guess we, in, in footy, you want to you see that it was a free-flowing game. You saw it from the start, it was fast. Yeah. And um, I guess he just wanted to keep pace, but probably in hindsight, I guess he would have gone back and checked it, but uh, you sort of have to move on. How would you have felt if you'd been a St. Helens player? Seeing yeah, that? obviously um, you would have been uh, a little disappointed, or very disappointed. So, yeah. you, but Do you think it might have affected them for the rest of the game? You know, that sort of feeling? Things are not going our way. Uh, yes and no. It was early on in the game, so I guess uh, I guess looking back at it, you could sort of say that. But in, in, when you're in the moment, you sort of just got to move on. I guess um, it probably most of them probably wouldn't have known until after the game it was actually a, a try. Yeah, I thought there was another, you know, fairly controversial try disallowed as well when um, uh, Tom Lynham burrowed through, you know, from acting half back to score and just very casually brushed the guy mm. who was playing the ball and then had a try and disallowed. Yeah. I, I thought that was a really tough decision. What did, what did you make of that? Yeah, I thought so too. I, obviously, the call going upstairs was no try there. So um, yeah, yeah. they were looking for any, any sort of touch. But I think... Um, it was almost as though they were looking for the disallowed yeah. one from Saints. It was almost as though they were trying to disallow one from Warrington. I mean, does that happen, Mark, do you think? Oh, well, <laughs> it comes so controversial here, is that... Uh, they can only say, say what they see, you know, at the end of the day. But yeah. uh, I think we find ways to, to disallow tries at times, you know, and I, I think, you know, sometimes we've never had it before. We've never had the, the video ref before. Back yourselves and, and, you know, whether he got it right or wrong, he, he backed himself and he went with his own decision, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He'll look back and he'll say, look, I made a mistake, I guess. Uh, maybe. Do you think the video, <laughs> I mean, is the video referee a good thing? We, we still have debates about it, don't we? Whether whether the video referee adds to the game or actually takes away from it. Steve, what, what, as a spectator, what, what, what's your view? Uh, when they keep going to the video referee for every try, eight tries or something, and, and seven of them are, are referred, you begin to wonder why you have a referee in the first place. Yeah. I think they're that frightened of, of making a mistake. They, uh, they refer everything on. And I think that uh, doesn't lead to the flow of the game. Yeah. It's interesting, though, you spoke about the, the St. Helens try. Uh, that was disallowed. If that was in Australia, 
that would have been disallowed because of the, uh, their interpretation of the rules, uh, a bounce try. Um, and I think uh, that changed the course of the game. And if I was mm. a, not necessarily a Saints player, if I was a Warrington player, well, my, my whole outlook on that game has changed. It's our day. St. Helens should have scored after two minutes in front of the post. They've disallowed it when it was a, when it was a try. It's our day. And I think that would have, have given the Warrington players uh, confidence. I thought the referee generally had a, had a, a, a goodish sure, game. Sure. It, it kept the game flowing and the best team won. It's a shame though, isn't it, that after the game there was all this talk about the referee's decision. Um, I mean, I thought Justin Holbrook in, in, in the press conference immediately afterwards was actually really magnanimous towards Warrington and, and, and said some really positive things. But he, of course, he got asked about that decision. And I think St. Helens have since then made an official complaint about it, you know, so that it, 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 it is affecting them. And they, they were clearly upset. And the thing that struck me about Saints after the game was how devastated their players were. Not surprised. I mean, losing at Wembley must have that effect. Mark, you've never had that experience. I don't want it. I don't want it either. You know. Yeah, I mean, they'd be heartbroken, won't they? I, I mean, mean, what was the, when when you beat Wigan? What 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 was Wigan's reaction? You must have. Had they were great. To be fair, they were great. John Morney were down on the on the field, and he just stood there and clapped and applauded what we what we'd done. Uh, yeah. And everybody in the stadium. I mean, with the fans from everywhere were. Well, I think everybody, in your case, everybody wanted you to win other than Wigan yeah, fans, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and so so I thought they were great, you know, your Betsy's and your Robinson's and that were all great, they were magnanimous. <laughs> 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 yeah. a long weekend. <laughs> but yeah, they, they were great, and you know, they, um, I guess, yeah, sometimes they, they won eight on the bounce, so sometimes it comes to an end, doesn't it? And yeah. it came to an end for them that day, which was, you know, again, I, I was going to say, you know, what John did and the, the people at the club and, and how they prepared us, it was never a doubt. No, that's fantastic. Do you think that when you see a team like St. Helens, who have been so dominant throughout the year, Matt, I'll ask you this one. Um, they've, they've won most games fairly comfortably, yeah. haven't they, during the season. And yet when they come to a game like Saturday, they, they go 12-0 down. Do you think part of their problem was that they've no experience this year in coming from behind? To win, yeah, that's, that's and, a and, and the team forgets how to do that. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, throughout the year they've they've won most games pretty comfortably. So when you when you're put in that position, if you haven't been there before, it's hard to find find a way out of it. And mm. um, I feel like, and that's that's probably exactly what happened. You watch the game there. Warrington just seemed to Saints seemed to be on top. They seemed to be looking to score a try, and Warrington just shut it down. Whether it was a, a great tackle, or mm. a, uh, a great Warrington kick, put yeah. a brick wall. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. And, I think Saints probably got a bit frustrated about it too. As you said, they no, haven't been in that position all year and then um, to find yourself there at Wembley 12-0 down trying to find, a, find an answer would be tough. You got the feeling, I, I got the feeling watching the game that, that St. Helens were making more ground all yeah. the time, particularly early in the game. They seemed to be making loads and loads of metres and yet they also made loads and loads of mistakes. And yeah, if you yeah. actually look at the game stats, I think they made about 100 tackles more than Warrington in, in, in total. It was quite an incredible difference. Mm. And, you know, that's obviously why they're tired, isn't it? They, they just run out of steam and, and ultimately couldn't come back, even when, even when they scored that try. I mean, Latlin Coote missing that goal, it was almost a Don Fox type yeah, moment, it was. wasn't it? Well, you know, everybody, I mean, normally he'd kick that blindfold. Yeah. An expectation it? is a big thing. Yeah. Saints went, went there expecting to win. A lot yeah. of their players had never played at Wembley. 
uh, warranting uh, admitted they having lost on a number of occasions. I just felt they had the hunger to win that match. Mm. And the longer the game went on, that's why I think that first try, or potential first try, was critical. Mm. Uh, and if Saints had scored, been given it, oh, it and, would have been uh, would service have been, as normal. Yeah, yeah, they would have relaxed into, into their game. As it was, the Raw was chasing. Uh, and when you chase, that's when you make mistakes. But interestingly, Mark, you know, Tom Lynham was quoted after the game as saying that the, he thought their motivation came from losing the previous year. You know, they lost to the Catalans and they all felt absolutely sick. And I can remember actually yeah. Tom Lynham coming out yeah. last year yeah. looking like death warmed up, really. And is it true to say that when you lose at Wembley, it's such a devastating experience that you probably don't want to ever lose there again? Whereas St Helens, most of their players hadn't played there before, apart from James Roby. And they went down and they were almost overawed by the yeah. situation, by the stadium, by, by the event. And they didn't probably understand what it would mean to, not to win. I think you're right. We talked about it when we went back-to-back -back grand finals. We lost the first one. Mm. We lost the first one. And I think you've got to you've got to learn that lesson. That you know, it's not a nice lesson to learn. But they always say you've got to you've got to lose one to win one. And we lost our first, and then went back to back in I think it was 2012, 13, 14. But Featherson beat us on the first one. My old mate, Powerley beat me. Uh, so <laughs> we got him back at the end. I got him back the year after, and then we went on and beat Batley the year after that. So yeah. we went back to back. But I, you know, I think there's lessons to learn. And, and, and certainly with us as a part-time squad, I probably, I probably did too much for them. I give them too much to think about. I don't think they slept, you know, yeah. probably, because I tried to, you know, give them the, the you know, the, the the experience that we'd had at Wembley, so I tried to give them, and I think they couldn't handle it. So the year, the year after, I went right back down, stripped it, stripped it right back, no suits, none of that, just all the yeah. same, you know, casual sort of stuff. Sometimes you over-egg it, don't you? Sometimes you just put it up there too much. and uh, well, it can weigh heavily on the minds, can't yeah. it, as you suggested? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah, I think you lose one, then it motivates you not to go back there and, and then lose another. Well, there's an interesting quote from Mark Percival, who, who said that, you know, he, he was absolutely devastated on Saturday. But he said he made himself watch Warrington being presented with the, 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 the cup by Prince Harry, yeah. and it made him feel sick. But that feeling, next year he'll remember it, won't he? And if they get there again, yeah, I think they'll yeah. approach it differently. Uh, just a final thing on the Challenge Cup, but Steve. Prince Harry gained a lot, lot of praise for his role. He, he met lots of people, didn't he, on, on he Saturday? He met lots of people where the TV cameras weren't there. Yeah. Um, a, a, a whole variety of people. It was quite funny. Warren, one of the Warrington wives said, oh, that's a, a Harry lookalike. Yeah. <laughs> there's only one. Yeah. It's five yards from you. We don't have two. We don't have a spare one coming out. But, but it, it did speak to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it did speak, to, in my opinion, to some of the right people as well, yeah. who were heavily involved in the game, different aspects. Uh, I saw him speak to to a, a lad who had two artificial legs, sure. who, who, who plays uh, disabled. Yeah. yeah, and it's good to see the Royals at Wembley. I'm, some have been very critical Certainly of the is. Royals not being at, yeah. at Wembley. Great Let's hope he's there on, on many other occasions. I thought Prince Harry made a significant contribution to, to the event on Saturday. And on that note, we'll just um, take a short break. 
and welcome back to Rugby League Back Chat. Just before the break, we said we'd come back and talk about the 1895 Cup, and we've got the man himself, of course, Mark Aston, who masterminded Sheffield Eagles' uh, incredible victory, 36-18 over Widnes. And Mark, St Helens couldn't come back from 12-0 down, but you did do on Saturday. And and I've got to say, you scored some great tries, and I thought Corey Maitland's try in particular was fantastic, and we made it... The League Express try of the week. So, how you know? Wh- how did you do it? And um, what what you know? What does it mean for the club? Well, it's fantastic for the club and the fans and uh, and everybody associated with the city, isn't it? Um, to go back 21 years, you know, later after we won it in '98, it's something special. And people have knocked this competition. They've talked about, oh, you know, it's a Mickey Mouse Cup and all this. No, it's fantastic. The, the championship players get an opportunity to play at Wembley. If somebody had said that to you a couple of years ago, that Sheffield Eagles would be back at Wembley in 2019, I, I imagine you'd have thought they were pulling your leg, wouldn't you? I thought they were mad and crazy. Yes. Yeah. We've had a tough couple of years, there's no doubt. We had the good years, 2012, 13, 14, uh, when we went to grand finals and that, and then you know, we, we changed, yeah, we went full-time. We made a decision to go full-time out of the money yeah. that we got from the game. Uh, and it didn't quite work for us, so we have to jump back to part-time. Uh, but, you know, we had a couple of years where we were on the road as well. We lost a, a, a stadium, didn't we? So we lost... Well, even though, the, I mean, even though the stadium is not really built yet, and it, it, it's fairly basic, isn't it? But yeah. it must still be great to be back in Sheffield. Well, of course it is, because we're Sheffield Eagles, and yeah. to play at Doncaster or Wakefield, which <coughs> we're indebted to them guys for letting us play there, but it's, it's still not home. We lost sponsors, you lost fans, don't you? There's no doubt yeah. about it. So, yeah, it makes it very special on, uh, on, on Saturday, and, you know, it's, I was so proud of the guys. Yeah. I never felt that we, we you know, we, we, I felt that we could win it. We prepared correctly, you know, we had a couple of people. Adam Brown didn't train all week, just turned up and played, you know. He scored three tries. Scored three tries. <laughs> yeah. uh, young Ogden pulled out at the last minute, you know. We got a scan on him, and it was MCL, he's got a tear on it, so uh, he had to pull out. Gustek had never played in the centre. Maitland had played nine all year yeah. off the bench. And I put him back to fullback, and just a credit to what they're about. You know, they're a special bunch. Uh, they're really close and, and tight knit, which is something uh, the culture of the club is good again, and, and mm. we pride itself on that. Uh, but they just did what they needed to do, and um, you know, yes, at twelve nil, you think, oh, there's a bit of a word going on here. Isn't yeah. there? Uh, and I just thought we'd, we, the probably occasion just got us at the beginning. Yeah. We'd had a long day travelling down. You scored two quick fire tries to get back yeah, into it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and then, you know, Thax does what he does, goes full length and, and, yeah. and scores a try. One or two people said that that was a ball steal when there were two. I think he'd lost the, the ball, I think. Hard to be sure, but the point is <laughs> yeah. the results now in the record. But the, the most important, I thought the second half were outstanding. Defensively, they didn't yeah. score a point. We yeah. run it. 95% ball control. Yeah. So our 21 sets were completed 20. And in big games, that is the game, if you know what I'm saying. Steve, just coming to you, you, you watched the game, didn't you? At, yes, I at did. Wembley. Entertainment value, I thought, was tremendous. Of, of, I of, did, and the, the I, cup I, final. I, uh, I agree with Mark completely. For the spectators as well, if, if uh, I've got a, a, a connection with Batley over a number of years, um, championship uh, spectators, it gives them the chance to go and watch their team Absolutely. at Wembley. And, uh, the turnout from Witness was particularly impressive, actually. 5,000 tickets, it, apparently. It, it was, and I think uh, I remember Hunslet playing at Wembley yeah. uh, and, and Huddersfield and Hull Kingston Rovers. 
though all those teams at the time were going through a, a, a barren period. So it does inspire hope yeah. and encourages sponsors, uh, not just, you know, the, the, the players uh, enjoy the adulation, yeah. but just being associated with the club, going to Wembley, fantastic. And the skill level, I mean, you know, Matt, you're an Aussie, you don't have the same thing as we do, promotion and relegation, giving yeah. championship clubs a chance to get up into Super League. It must, it must feel a bit strange for Aussies coming here and, and seeing our, our, our structure. But there's some real genuine skill and ability, at, you know, outside Super League. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, you don't, don't know whether you saw the uh, 1895 Cup, but, you know, you see it when you see championship games. They're not a million miles behind Super League. No, they're not. And you see that um, in the Middle Eights over the last couple of years, um, both what we, we've played in it last Which you year. have played yeah. in, haven't you? Yeah. So, um, and you see the teams are very competitive. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really, it's a really strong competition. And um, I think it's, it's, it was a great occasion. I think, um, especially I watched Witness, they had a send off. They, they took it very serious. All the fans followed. So I think, as you said before, I think it was a bit, um, it probably should have been played before the main game. But yeah. um, I think both teams took it really serious and it was a great event. Well, we've had a, a readers poll in League Express this week saying, when should the 1895 Cup be played? And I think about 70% are saying, before the Challenge Cup final, obviously, 100%. and that's that. You know, it, it just seems ridiculous not to do it that way. Yeah, because I mean, when we when they went, out, I went out onto the field when they were warming up the boys, and it was electric. You know, yeah. it was it was it was huge for them. So to get that adrenaline buzz there at that moment when they're yeah. warming up, and then they won't even notice when we went back out before the kickoff. They won't yeah. notice what went on. I did, obviously. They were focused on the job, but uh, yeah, I think that. If they play it before and then all the fans are in there and everybody gets behind it, I think it'll just make a better occasion. I mean, it's still a fantastic occasion. Yeah. If, you, if you closed the doors and played with nobody watching, it wouldn't matter, would it? Just, yeah. you know, well, playing at Wembley, the, the fact is that all your players have, can tell their kids and grandkids they've won a medal at Wembley. That's just incredible, isn't it? And emotion. You know, you play with loads of emotion and that's yeah. what we've got abundance. And uh, it was funny because we did the shirt shirt presentation on uh, on Friday night. I had John Keir, obviously, and, and Paul Broadbent, the coach yeah. and the captain. And, and, and Paul's son, Blake. Son, Blake, yeah. Blake. which is a, a dream, isn't he? He was yeah. floating about playing amateur rugby league and he just asked me if I'd give him a pre-season and he's kicked on, you know, but... Yeah. It's funny, I can remember Paul Broadbent in 1998. Yeah. Um, walking around Wembley with the cup and, I, and you know, he just sort of walked round and round with it. I think he was probably the last person to leave the stadium oh, carrying the Challenge Cup back, it, back I, I, in I those days. There was a huge bath at that time, wasn't there, in yeah. Wembley Stadium? And, uh, yeah, we were in there for a few hours afterwards. <laughs> I'm not sure it watered in the bath. Right? Yeah. But, things there. but, yeah, he's immensely proud of his son and why yeah. wouldn't he be and, and, and things like that. But the emotion on the night before with the shirt presentation, John, Lost the voice, he got the lump in the throat, beans <laughs> did, I did. There were only one man, I don't think he's got an artist, it's that Keith Senior, you know. <laughs> no, he didn't feel any emotion. Sure. We were all nearly crying and wiping his eyes. But Yeah, but Keith played in that game as well, didn't yeah, he, before he, did, he went yeah, to Leeds? Yeah. He, um, he missed the semi-final, if you remember, for that uh, knockout punch on <laughs> yeah. uh, BJ Mather, and uh, yeah. Yeah, he played in the final. So there's a nice connection, there's a nice balance for us. And, you know, we, we spoke about this, memories. Why do we play sport? We're playing for memories. And, uh, you know, I got a couple of the guys, Johnny Lawless, Matty Crowder, they did a video to the guys and that and just yeah. said how special it is. The, you don't see each other every week, you know. You might see each other once a year, but yeah. you know, there's that 
twinkling your eyes. You still eyes. have those reunions, don't you? Of that, of that we squad. went last year to, to, to Wembley, the 20th year, yeah. uh, year uh, reunion. There were a few there. That, but we, know, we, we, we see each other every now and again, but that twinkle that nobody can ever take away from you, you know, it's no. special. Special moments. No, absolutely right. One of the things that struck me as well about Wembley on Saturday in both games was that there were a couple of kids there who originally came through the Midlands Academy, if I, if I understand it correctly. Obviously, I'm thinking about Matt Davis of yeah, Warrington, yeah. who's come from Leicester Storm and, and, and played in that Midlands Academy side that no longer, unfortunately, exists. And I think I'm right in saying that Ryan Miller, uh, who plays on the wing for you. He comes from Birmingham originally, doesn't he? Does. he? And he does. I don't quite know how you picked him up, but he looks a, he oh, looks a, a real star in the making. Oh, his, his quality, you know, yeah. and just about how his persona, about how he goes around his business. It's yeah. fantastic, the extra work he does. Well, we had four people that come through our system played on, on Saturday. Yeah. You know, there's uh, Paddy and Greg Burns. Yeah, you both know, Sheffield lads. Both Sheffield lads down from Hillsborough Hawks. Blake Broadbent, born and bred in Sheffield. Yeah. Ryan Miller, that we uh, we brought him from from Midlands, and you know, well, from from Birmingham, as you say, and uh, he just gets better and better every year. And he's a great kid. And we set off on the journey 21 years ago after the merger to give kids an opportunity to play professional league. And there's 30 odd kids out there now playing professional league. Yeah. Four of them played for us. Wildest dreams. You're going to play at Wembley, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah. they have done now, so... It shows we need to spread this game further because there are probably kids all over the country in places where they don't play rugby league who could be great rugby league players. Matt, you know, you, you, know, you can't say that, you know, all the best rugby league players just come from the north of England, potentially. They, they could come from anywhere, couldn't they? Yes, yeah, exactly right. I think, um, obviously, down south, rugby union is, is massive and... Um, so back home in Australia, obviously Queensland and New South Wales all rugby league. They absolutely sure. love it. When you come here, you've got you've got a mix. You see, um, the North is all rugby league, and the South is all rugby union. So I think there'll be a, a lot of boys that uh, probably don't make it in rugby league, or I mean rugby union, or they fight. They could be better rugby league players than rugby union players. I think Matt Davis said that, didn't he? He, he was in the Leicester Tigers academy, but he just saw rugby league on television and just thought he'd be better at it. Yeah. And he probably is. And Ryan Miller was exactly the same. He was in the rugby union system yeah, when he yeah. jumped out of it. But yeah, we, we've got to give the kids a dream, haven't we? We've got to give Absolutely. them an opportunity. And uh, 21 years ago, we set off on this journey to, to, to establish the club and, and give a kid a dream. We were running junior eagles, scholarships, academies. Sure. We had Sheffield Allen Eagles, which were a And sadly, it all then fell apart. Well, we got yeah. it taken off us cause, yeah. because... They didn't, they didn't sing, it didn't fit in with what they wanted to go. No. They moved on to Midlands, and I went, no, attach Midlands to us. Yeah. Because you've got to have the, you've got to have the top club. Oh, sorry, you've got to have a club that's a professional club that should, the pyramid, if you like. And they took it off, broke my heart. I could have walked away from the game yeah. that day when I had to stand in a room and speak to 100 odd kids and the parents and tell them the dream were over. Yeah. And, and that's, we're a wow. crazy sport, aren't we, for wow. doing things like that? Wow. But why would the, what, yeah. you know, Paddy Burns went to cast him, making it cast, Blake Broadbent couldn't get it. These were kids that were in my scholarship. Now they've played 30, 40 championship sure. games. Sure. And still a 20 year old. Yeah. You know, yeah. 21 year old. So, yeah, we, I mean, we've got to set all that back up again, which is, yeah. it's not that's, easy, that's is true, it? That's true, isn't it, Steve? You know, Having a dream as a sportsman is is the thing that motivates you and keeps keeps you going. Absolutely, and sharing that dream is important mm. as well. Yeah. Playing with players who have the same dream as you. Yeah, I think rugby league's got to to come to terms with itself of of what game it wants to be. Is it a, a, an international game with Toronto mm. and New York, and we put all our focus on there, or, or do we have a slightly, in my view, 
wider perception and attach the Midlands to Sheffield sure, and well. everything going on in London. Uh, my job takes me to different places and I see some of the work going on in London. Absolutely marvellous, outstanding yeah. work. And, uh, you know, kids in the inner city of London are far better rugby players than some of the ones in the Leafy suburbs sure playing rugby union in Surrey. Well, I remember, I remember seeing, a, I, I was involved with Student Rugby League in the early 1980s yes, and I always remember we played a, an Oxford v Cambridge game at, at, um, at, in, in Maidstone in, in Kent um, when, you know, the, the year before Kent and Victor yeah. began, if you yeah. remember that, yeah. that club. Yeah. And there was a game beforehand <coughs> involving a young Peckham Pumas under 19 side. And there were all these young lads playing for Peckham Pumas, a lot of them young black kids, and they were had incredible ability. You know, they were throwing the ball around, absolutely mm. having the time of their lives. And I can almost guarantee that probably none of those kids ultimately went on yeah. to play rugby league at first grade level. You know, it's ridiculous. It really is. But then, of course, we come to the other side of the coin. Um, Matt, I was going to ask you in particular, you, you, you come from an absolute long line of rugby league <laughs> players, don't you, uh, in, in Queensland. I don't think many people in England actually probably understand your, your background, but as I understand it, your, your great-grandfather played yep, for Queensland. Yep. Your grandfather... Uh, Gary Parcell played for Queensland and Australia yep. and we're here at Featherstone today. Gary played a match for Australia at Featherstone on the 11th of November 1959, that's 60 years ago. And uh, the Featherstone fans among the viewers might be interested to know that Featherstone beat Australia uh, yeah. that uh -huh. day, 23-15. Yeah. And your dad was a, a rugby league player as well, yep. wasn't he, for yeah, yeah. Switch. Tell us a bit about, uh, about all that. Yeah, so, uh, so obviously my, my great-grandfather, Percy, uh, played for Queensland, so then... Before I, the Second World War? Yeah, yeah, and then my grandfather, Gary, so uh, back home where I'm from in Ipswich, they had uh, the Ipswich front row of... Uh, my pop, Gary, Noel Kelly, and Dud Beatty. That's a hell of a front row. So then row. they went from so the Ipswich front row to the Queensland front row to the Australian front row. So they're wow. all from Ipswich there. They played they played a game Those here. Those were the days when Queensland had its own competition yeah, and yep, separate yep, from New South yeah, Wales. Yeah, it was, it was different back then. So they played over here. They they also played at Headingley, and I think I think they got beat there too. So 11-10 yeah, in that. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and then England won they the third. They were good days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great Britain won um, the third uh, test. I watched uh, a little bit of footage of, uh, there's little bits of clips in here. It was a completely different game than it is oh, today. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, good divide. Yeah, no, especially playing the front row. He was, uh, it's a different, different And you, your grandfather, Gary, still, still yeah, no, so he's doing still, strong? Still going strong. So uh, they actually had an Ipswich Jets um, old boys day on the weekend. So he was there with Noel Kelly, obviously. Uh, Dud Beatty's passed away now, but um, yeah. so they were there together. Noel, Noel's fantastic. He's still, he's absolutely going strong. So. He's got a fund of stories, as Noel. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. So yeah. Gary, my pop's starting to slow down a little bit now, but Noel is absolutely on fire. Yeah, yeah. Does does your grandfather watch your? Progress? Yeah, he, he loves it. So does he uh, give you lots of advice? Uh, yeah, he, he's, his eyes are a bit gone now, so he always listens to it. He tries to watch every game that's on TV, and he does. But his advice is still a bit. Bit old school. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, do you have any family connection? Or are you a first generation, or were you first generation? Oh, my, da my dad played. He played right. amateur rugby league for um, for Alton Raiders. Yeah, as it is it, it, exactly the same. It was a different game. That one. In fact, I don't think they should have classed it as rugby. I <laughs> yeah. think it was thuggery. <laughs> I think it was thuggery. It was absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. incredible, isn't it? Well, thanks, Mark. Uh, and on that note, uh, I'd just like to remind all the viewers to, who want to participate in the discussion that if they go to 
uh, at RL Backchat on, on, on Twitter. Uh, and we'll be back in just a few moments' time. Welcome back to Rugby League Backchat. I'd like to start this segment by going to Steve Ball. Steve, you're the general manager of the Rugby League Benevolent Fund. You obviously have a, a, a long-standing role uh, in relation to players who, who, who suffer serious injuries on the one hand. And, and on the other, when tragedies occur, as they did fairly recently with Archie Bruce, a very sad case of Archie um, dying the day after he made his debut for Batley in Toulouse. Without talking about that case in particular, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about how the Rugby League Benev Benevolent Fund was created, why it was created, and, and some of the things it does for players and families of players? Um, a lot of people talk about the, the family of Rugby League, but it, it took till 2004 until the Benevolent Fund was actually founded. And that was on the back of two serious injuries. Uh, Matt King, uh, who was playing for um, uh, London at the time, and Danny Scott, who was playing for Mull Green. Now, they had uh, career-changing injuries uh, and they were paralysed from the neck downwards. And there was a sudden realisation that the game as such shouldn't respond to incidences like that by simply having bucket collections, ad hoc bucket collections. So the, the Benevolent Fund was found on the back of those two uh, injuries. Uh, we went back in time to see uh, which other players had been injured and we could take them into our fold. Uh, went back to the late 60s, uh, both amateur and professional, the vast majority of, of uh, I'll say lads at this time, but now, now there's women playing the game, uh, 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 lads who uh, love the game, and we've got them back involved in something that is very rugby league. You're aware that we went to Wembley with, uh, sure. I, I, I call it, I'm in charge of a, uh, a rugby trip to Wembley with lads who were disabled. I don't take a group of disabled people to Wembley. So their behaviour post 10 o'clock is absolutely as rugby, <laughs> <laughs> as rugby folks should do. But it's, yeah. a, it's a great thing. But it, it shows to us that we need to harness all this energy. The spectators in rugby league are absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think they're, they're, they're better than most. And when they see things uh, that uh, are wrong, the, the, the support is overwhelming. So the Benevolent Fund is there to harness that support, acts as a conduit. Um, some of the things we do, uh, people don't see. And, and I smile when I say uh, there was one lad who, who got injured uh, uh, playing and uh, because of his circumstances, he'd not had a proper uh, bath for like 20 years. He had to put uh, his kettle on with a with a walking stick, right. adapting his kitchen. So w we did lots of things that were so-called extra to what the state could provide. But it, it's not just about giving money. It's about having a social uh, centre to ourselves sure. and being involved in the wider uh, family of rugby league and being part of that. It's all very exciting. How many players have you helped then, or, or players' families? You know, since 2004. Have you any idea? Yeah, uh, we have 20 people, what I call, on our long-term uh, list. Lads who, uh, who, people who need care. Who, who need care. Uh, often those are spinal injuries. Uh, we've had one or two recently uh, that have uh, had uh, uh, bleeds on the brain and such things. In absolute extreme circumstances, uh, we've had a, a number of players who've passed away. 
some as a result of an injury, some could have done it running for the bus and they have an asthma attack or, or whatever. Uh, and uh, I know you may smile when I say this, but we have people who come onto our, our uh, notice for nine to 12 months, serious injuries, somebody has the spleen removed or has their eye socket broke, but it's not catastrophic. No. They're able to continue work, perhaps not playing forever, but it's just knowing in the background, this is what people say to me afterwards, that there's somebody there long term. There's somebody, if I've got a problem, I can come to you. Yeah. Somebody's interested in my progression in order to get That's better. That's fantastic, isn't it? Mark, it must be great for you as a coach of a club, knowing that if something disastrous did happen, and hopefully it will never will, that there is backing there for you if, if you ever yeah, it's needed fantastic. it. It's absolutely fantastic because... In times I need people need to speak, and I, I don't men at the moment, particularly when I was coming through uh, the systems and that, he didn't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. And we're, we're all big tough rugby players, aren't we? But actually, there's still some there's still some of that, you know, that softness in you that you need to be able to speak to people, and uh, it's great. The job that they're doing with the benevolent funds is fantastic for them. Yeah. Game. Similar matter in in Australia, they have the Men of League Foundation. Yes, they don't do. They wish does a I think a somewhat similar job, if I understand it. Yeah. properly yeah i think so they also um they, they deal with players as well who've fallen on hard yeah times. i think it, it's got to do with that so and then um obviously the nrl a few years ago introduced a, a career ending in a career ending injury policy so I, i'm not sure if that's still going but uh as you said you, it's it's a brutal game and uh obviously you hope no one ever gets injured but um these things are part of it and it's great to have support support when it happens and when um but hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, it never does. I think that gone. Uh, well, uh, we work alongside our sister organisation, Rugby League Cares, and they do the the education side of it and the welfare side of it. Uh, we had a look at men of league. Our system's better, uh, in all honesty. Men of league have big dinners. Uh, it's very social. They the help people yeah. who've fallen on hard yeah. times, uh, and it's a bigger game nationally. Um, what we do is deal with specifics. Um, you know, uh, if if somebody needs a, a, a walk-in shower, um, where b men of league may give a thousand pounds to somebody or whatever, we would pay for that walk-in shower for somebody who's had sure. an injury connection. Sure. Uh, for the first time, we've we've had uh, women who play the game, um, and we paid for uh, childcare while mum's been in hospital. So you've had those cases. We've had those women cases. Yeah, getting serious injuries. Uh, we don't normally, very rarely, associated with people under 16 having serious injuries, but there has mm. been a couple recently uh, that have been uh, quite tragic. It's, it's more about what to do next. Um, so a tragedy happens uh, and the, the, uh, a family who sees the lads go out with a bag and they don't come back, for example, all of a sudden the oh. press around them yeah. Asking the wrong questions, oh. wanting an angle to yeah. uh, on, on the family, and people just aren't used to it. And it's just about writing those statements, offering some sort of protection, sort of their in insurances out in, in extreme cases, you know, bringing people back from a long way away if, if they've passed away, as, as recent cases uh, has shown. And just that level of support when there's chaos going all around, mm. that we're there. You know, and uh, I always open up with, I'm here to help you. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've got experience of, of these sort of situations before. I never offer advice to anybody, ever. But what I do say is, 
some people have found this helpful or have you thought about doing it that way? So ultimately, it's always the family's choice. And in many cases, said to me, I would never have, have thought to that. Yeah, I must admit, as, as somebody obviously who's in the media, the stories that I absolutely hate most are stories of tragedy. You know, the, the other Sunday we came into the office and heard about Archie Bruce. And quite frankly, at League Express, we were all devastated that day. And, you know, we struggled to put the paper together because we felt so sorry and, you know, dejected at, at what had happened. It's really, you know, it was really quite, quite emotional. And, you know, that, you know, it's the th one thing, Matt, as a player, obviously you, you always hope you're never going to suffer yeah. a serious injury and it's, there's a very small chance that you ever will. But I suppose it's like doing anything. If you were mountain climbing, you might, you might fall yeah. off and, and kill yourself. You know, there's, if you were a Formula One motor racing driver, there's always a chance you might have a crash and goodness knows what might happen. So, so there's always a tiny bit of danger. Uh, you know, boxing is another sport that's obviously potentially very dangerous. You must always have that at the back of your mind, I guess. Uh, yes and no. Obviously, as you said, um, there's many sports out there which, which there's danger involved. But Even uh, cricket. Yeah, you know. yeah. as you see with cricket, something that you would never think would happen. So um, you, can't, you can't think about it. As a player, no. personally, I, I don't think about it at all. It's just, um, for me, it's, if, it's, if it's meant to be, it, not if, it's meant to, if what happens, happens kind of yeah. thing. And um, you, you, you can't go out there thinking you're going to get seriously injured. But, no, no. Um, well, you wouldn't play, would you? No, exa you exactly right. But you wouldn't do a lot of things either. So, yeah, um, yeah. You wouldn't so cross the road. Yeah, even, exactly. So, but it's, it's great that um, there's support there if anything ever happens. Yeah. The thing that struck me, Mark, I was driving down to Wembley on Saturday and I switched on the Radio 4 Today programme and they had an interview with Tony Adams, the president yeah. of the Rugby Football League obviously who's associated with the Sporting Chance Clinic. And he said, uh, made, said to me that I thought that very surprising, that of the players playing in the cup final, six of them had had some sort of link with his organisation. Uh, mm -hmm. It didn't say to what extent, yeah. you know, it may just have been mentoring of, of some relatively minor sort, but he did say six players had contacted his organisation to seek their help in various ways. And it, it sort of, if, if that's true, it, obviously we assume it is, then, you know, a lot of players uh, these days are, you know, opening up a bit more than they used to, maybe in your day, when, you you know, if you had problems, you took them home with you. Yeah, it's important. You know, yeah. we talk to them, you've got, you've got a bit, you know, part of a job as a coach is to manage and, and look after your players and that. And when they need you, it doesn't matter if it's four o'clock in the morning, whatever it is, they need you right there and then. You, you've got to answer your phone, you've got to do it. Yeah. And it's great that they're talking. For you, does it? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, it's, it's, look, they're like kids to me, aren't they? You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're my boys and, and if they need me, I've, I've got in my car and drove at silly hours in the morning just to go see them. And just, yeah, you know, I think, I mean, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, rugby league players, I tend to think, are probably the toughest sportsmen of all, physically. Yeah. But, you know, emotionally, they might, you know, be struggling. It's not, not always, you can't associate physical toughness with emotional toughness, can you? No, not at all, not at all. And, and you've got to be, you've got to talk, you know. And yeah. it's a, the best thing that comes out of everything now is that people are prepared to talk and why yeah. not? And I, we spent, it was funny because we were laughing on, on Friday when we all had this meeting and the shirt presentation. Emotion and, and, and that lump in your throat, it's not a weakness. No. It's not a weakness, it's a strength, you know. Yeah. It means you've got an heart. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's important. And, and yeah. I've always done that. I always believe in the players. I need them to be able to speak to me, what they're thinking, yeah. uh, what, you know, what's inside the mind. Because hey, everybody goes through tough times. Absolutely. Steve, you've noticed that, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, well, Tony Adams was uh, a big friend of Tony Smith. Yeah. Uh, and he spoke uh, to the Warrington players and groups of other players as well. So that was his real connection in understanding uh, rugby league players. Uh, and, and the demands of uh, particularly full-time players, um, you know, uh, there's even more of a spotlight on them in terms of performance. Uh, there's even more of a spotlight on them in terms of people looking at them. They can't go to work on a Monday or Tuesday like they did it when, yeah. when I first started what, yeah. and, and get teased with the mates and everything. It's, you can be very isolated uh, playing rugby league. You know, you're the most important person when you walk in a room. Sometimes that pressure is enormous yeah. and the expectations of, of what you have to do. Sometimes they can talk to the mates. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger and then you can open up completely. And I, I welcome all that with all the initiatives yeah. uh, that are going on at the moment. It's funny because I remember, you know, in, in, in the old days, in the 1960s, when, when players were all part-time, you know, several of them, I, my family supported Wakefield Trinity and my, my dad was an incredibly enthusiastic fan. And several of the players would run pubs in those days. Yeah, and of course, they were a magnet for, for fans, but, yeah. you know, Brian Briggs and yeah. those sort of guys. And, they, and there'd be an absolute fund of stories, of course. Yeah. My dad would come back home and, and tell us what everything that Brian Briggs had said, Derek Turner had been saying, and all, you know, it was it was it was terrific. And of course, that's quite different now. You don't, although rugby league players are, are really accessible compared to other leading sportsmen, they're not quite that accessible as they were in those days, are they? It's just a bit different. And there's a little bit of churn as well uh, with the sport now that didn't happen in the sixties, where sometimes you can be in a club for eight years yeah. and have very com be very mm. comfortable around some awkward spectators and, yeah. and, and friendships that go back a number of years. When players move on sometimes, it's very difficult to say, this is my home. Yeah. Uh, and, and that brings its, its own demands as well. Matt, you've moved on quite recently on loan to Hull Kingston Rovers. How, how do you get on with English spectators? What, 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 what do you make of them? No, I, they've been fantastic to me um, ever since I, I came over I mean, to you're Leeds. still popular at Leeds, aren't you? Yeah, so I, I've got nothing but uh, good things. Everyone's been so supportive and so great. It's um. I love the, the spectators and the fans over here. When they're singing and chanting during the games, you don't get that back in Australia. Really. What, 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 what is the relationship like between players and fans in Australia? Um, it, I guess it, it's similar to here. Um, it's probably a little bit more in Australia, especially in Queensland and New South Wales, you're sort of in the, you're in the top sport, the most yeah. popular sport, where here you've got football. So uh, it's probably a bit, more, a bit more of a relaxed. But I do, I do get the feeling, though, when in, in Australia, that the, the fans are pretty much down-to-earth people. Yeah, just, no, they, just they, as all, they are yeah, here. Yeah, they, it's exactly the same. Probably, um, as I said just before, it's just you don't get that. The atmosphere at the games here, I absolutely love. I love the singing, yeah. I love the chanting. Um, yeah. My first game at KR was, was the, the Derby, and it was, it was absolutely fantastic. It was, and you had a great game as well. Yeah, well, that, that helped. The, the win helped. And then you scored a try against Leeds. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> it, it was all going really well until I hurt my shoulder. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, is your long-term future in, in England or do you, do you think you'll ever play again at first grade level in Australia? Um, it's hard to say. I, I think uh, if you were to um, ask me like this time last year, I didn't think I'd be at KR the same. When I, no. moved, when I moved over here to Leeds, I still had two years at Manly. So I think that's the way the sport's becoming. It's more professional. It's more, um, you can't sort of look too, too far ahead. You've sort of, you just got to be in the moment. Just do the best you can where you're here and then you sort of, Go from there. And are you going to have some more parcels on the way who will be playing in future? 
Uh, not yet, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's marvellous. And uh, I think on that note, we'll uh, draw the discussion to a close. And I'd, I'd like to just thank all my guests today, Mark Aston, the oh, coach of Sheffield Eagles, Steve Ball from the Rugby League Benevolent Fund, and Matt Parcell, currently yeah. on loan at Hulkingston Rovers. And I'd like to uh, thank you for watching. And I hope you'll be back next week uh, when Matt Shaw will be in the chair once again. Rugby League Back Chat is sponsored by TotalRL.com.